Welcome back to another episode of Fun Views Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Pops. Today's guest is Geetu Sharma. Geetu grew up in India, found her way to London, Switzerland, and now Minneapolis in the United States. She spent most of her career working for large banks and institutions, analyzing companies. After working on Bank Pictet's ESG investing team in Geneva, she gained an insight into why companies are successful in the long run. Subsequently, Gitu decided to open up her own fund focused on identifying these opportunities while promoting strong sustainability initiatives. Gitu's story is extremely inspiring. She speaks about energy and sustainability initiatives, the importance of looking at the scientific facts, and the opportunities that are finally opening up for women in finance. Hi, Gitu Sharma. Thanks for joining me on the Fun Views podcast. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your very busy day, I'm sure, and uh, and joining me on on uh, on Fun Views to share your story and your background. Uh, so to start, how did you get your start in finance or investing? What when you were younger, did you always think you wanted to be in uh, in, in investment management or or asset management, or or is that something that came later? Hi, Greg. Thank you so much for hosting me. I really appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Um, in terms of my background, how did I get into investing? Um, really, when I started my career, actually, I didn't even know that there is a job like investing. Yeah. Um, my dad, my father used to be, um, my father worked in the finance sector and so did my eldest sister. And so uh, as we were growing up in India, we had a, we used to have a lot of conversations around finance and the economy and um, uh, what's happening in the um, in Indian economy as we were also going through uh, liberalization of 1991, uh, mm. which was the first time when, the, when India was opening up its economy to the rest of the world. So there's a lot of change and uh, new companies coming into. So finance was kind of the topic of discussion. And uh, my father used to invest in the Indian equity markets at that time as a more of his side gig, as mm -hmm. his hobby and as what he liked to do. And that's what I thought of investing as a kind of a thing you do on the side, but not really as a profession. I had no idea when I was growing up and going to college that actually that's something you could do for a job. And uh, but anyways, I was uh, since we had a lot of background in finance, I did my uh, BA in finance and then I did an MBA in India in finance and started a, and started working for a manufacturing company in the corporate finance function. And uh, over time, I moved around in India and uh, worked in different roles. I worked in institutional sales for insurance. Um, and then, but over time, I I learned I figured out that what I really liked to like was the analytical bit and uh, the an analysis of finance. The, mm -hmm. you know, the corporate valuation or understanding businesses and how they work and building uh, financial models and Excel worksheets and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so I moved into credit research with uh, um, Standard & Poor's in India. Uh, they had a subsidiary called Crystal. Um, and I worked with them for a couple of years and I really enjoyed the research part of, uh, of it and 
And then I got, I moved to Standard & Poor's in London for a year for an assignment. Um, oh, great. And that was like another, that was like a, a shift in the, in my career in a way. Um, so it was fantastic uh, experience. Moving to London was great. This was my first time in Europe. And uh, so that was a great experience living and working there and, uh, you know, just a new environment. And uh, while my assignment was only for a year, I didn't did not want to leave London, and I did not know how to how to find a new job or how yeah. to you know do something else, and and also what kind of jobs exist. So, and I was I was really young at that time, so I decided to do a second MBA, and I joined London Business School to um, you know to kind of just use that time of learning to learn more about international world economy and finance and uh, build networks and and figure out what I want to do next as a as in in my career and in my finance uh, 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 kind of track uh, yeah and where I want to go so so again um London Business School was again a great experience. I really enjoyed it. Uh, it was hard, but it was great fun. Yeah. And uh, and I wanted to while I was doing my program, I re- I w- I decided to move towards equity research and equity investing. Mm-hmm. And that's over that time I figured out that I would uh, you know that's kind of a space I would like to be in and uh, enjoy. Um, and I wanted to manage money uh, beyond just research. So equity investment kind of became a focus. And uh, I did get an internship with uh, Credit Suisse with, uh, in there. Uh, they had an equity fund business at that time. Yeah. And uh, this was 2008. So I got a, a great internship with them in after my first year. And uh, that went very well. It was in the commodities business. Um, and, uh, commodities, equities. And it was, um, I got a full time offer and I felt that my life's made. You know, I'm just going to join this, this, join this fund. <laughs> and, um, it was a, a billion dollar fund and I'm just going to do this. And, um, but then Lehman Brothers hit. Oh, wow. And yeah. the, so this was September 2008. And uh, we had a huge financial meltdown. Um, mm-hmm. I saw we used to work in a place called Canary Wharf in London. Mm-hmm. And uh, I saw people carrying their boxes from Lehman Brothers wow. office. It was right opposite our building in at Great Swiss. And um, my friends at LBS who got their job offers from Lehman lost everything. And... Um, so it was really a very uncertain time. So mm-hmm. I had my offer, but in December, Credit Suisse sold that business because all the global banks were going through a lot yeah. of pain and change and restructuring, and they were getting bought over or selling off businesses to keep cash. And so the division I was going to join got sold. And <laughs> uh, so I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, but Credit Suisse was... Uh, Towards 2009, uh, towards the end of the second year, they were, uh, they came back to say that we will honor the internship and, uh, and the offer so you can come and join in 
another business line where there might be an opportunity. So, so I interviewed with a few businesses, and then there was an opportunity in the uh, real estate private equity business. Okay, and um, so and I thought that okay, well, we're not buying stocks, but we'll be buying real estate. How different that is going yeah. to be. So let's go for it. And uh, so I did. I joined that for, uh, that division, and I was all excited and um, looking forward to it. But that was again 2009, and it was just not a great time to be in real estate because you know yeah. so much of the financial crisis was around real estate and housing crash and commercial real estate was falling apart. So um, I was there for a year, and again, it just seemed like it's not going to go anywhere. We didn't do a deal while we were there for a year and it was all um, very uncertain and, uh, and clearly not looking, looking like uh, much would happen with that. And then Kates was sold that business as well. So I was like, you know, I have a a track record of, you know, um, getting all the companies I joined. It's almost like, uh, it's almost like you, you know, your track record with, with businesses being sold and, yeah. and divesting is, it's, it reminds me of like my dad in manufacturing in the yeah. <laughs> like manufacturing, you know, that, that happened a lot in the past 20, 30 years. Right. But, you know, finance, yeah. you wouldn't think it would happen that way, but. Yeah. Well, it was a turning point for the financial industry in 2008-9. And yeah. you can almost say that it has not come back to its old days of glory. Um but anyway, so then, um, but so again, for me that time, I was like, okay, I need to go back into equity investing, which was what I really wanted to do in the first place. Yeah. And so at Credit Suisse, I, I was lucky enough to then find a role in their Holt division, which I don't know if you know, it's a, um, it's, it's part of the equity research. But it's an equity valuation model and uh, framework, more systematic, more rules driven. And uh, it was about uh, research using that platform to uh, sell ideas to, uh, to the buy side, to the investment community. And uh, so at that time, I took on that role and it was a blessing in disguise because I learned so much in that role. I was there for about six years, six or seven years. And I learned so much about uh, investing, about mm-hmm. uh, European markets, um, in um, global markets in general. It was also the time when, you know, the, the markets had changed so much with the Fed and the central banks infusing mm-hmm. so much capital into the to, and liquidity and driving uh, rates lower. And uh, so there's... There's a lot of interesting, uh, very interesting environment to be in the financial industry. And then um, I got to learn a lot about, uh, you know, European companies. I was following um, some specific sectors. Was that in um, London? That was in London, yeah. Yeah. So so I was in London and... um, um, and it, it was go- it was going great, and I really enjoyed that. Um, uh, the it was the research part, but I always had at the back of the mind that I want to get into investing, I want to manage money, and I want to be on the buy side. And so yeah. after so after about six seven years, there was an opportunity with Big Day Asset Management, which is a very large asset manager in mm-hmm. Switzerland, um, in the global 
defensive equities portfolio um, in the Global Defensive Equities Fund, and they were looking for a, a fundamental analyst to support the team, the existing team. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was actually a quant environment. And at my role in Red Swiss, I had got really good experience understanding some of the quantitative techniques and factored investing, if you, and I can yeah. talk more about that um, in the equity space. So I was uh, a good fit in that role because I understood both the fundamental side of businesses, how to build a DCF model and what is mm-hmm. the meaning of ROE and and some of that stuff. Yeah. And uh, all the fun it, stuff, right? All, that you, all you, these, you learn all, in school, yeah. but you never use it for forever until you actually have to use it. <laughs> yeah. So very technical, hardcore finance. Yet at the same yeah. time, I understood uh, the quantitative side of the of investing, which was which was a growing space. And so um, so that was uh, so then I moved to Switzerland, uh, which is such a beautiful place in the world. If you've not been there. I haven't yet, but I, I, well, I'm sure I I went to Europe. um, I I actually went to Europe for the first time uh, earlier this year, right as COVID hit in March for my honeymoon. So we went, yeah, we went to Paris, London and Amsterdam. Oh, wow. And um, yeah, thank you. It it was, it was a really great experience. Great time. Um, And uh, Switzerland was on the list at one point, but it's definitely on the list going forward. Well, um, Paris, London, they have a lot of history. It has a yeah. lot of architectural beauty. So I'm sure you enjoyed that. And yeah, Amsterdam absolutely. is so beautiful with its um, bike bike. Yeah, it's a track very, and very different place. Canada, very different places. My, yeah. uh, my grandparents immigrated to Canada from Holland. So it was, um, ah, okay. it, that's part of the reason why we chose Amsterdam was to go kind of, we, we didn't get to see where they grew up. We didn't get, you know, go out all the way out into the country, but. Um, we did get to see Amsterdam and some of the cultural stuff. So it was good. Right. Okay, great. So, yeah, so Switzerland in many ways felt like, you know, heaven on earth and it was mm-hmm. always picture perfect. And we often joke that we were always on holiday, just going to work in between. Yeah. But um, so then, so there I was uh, managing their uh, part of their uh, this investment team. We had uh, it was a four billion equity franchise, and mm-hmm. I was I joined the team, and you know I had a great time uh, being on the buy side and uh, going beyond my experience of learning about um, how to pick stocks to how to manage a portfolio. You know how mm-hmm. to stocks come together in a portfolio and how that behaves you know where are the risks how do you manage the exposures and some of those other aspects of portfolio management and investing as a fund yeah so um it's really it's really interesting so the the quant side i was actually the quantitative analyst for our student fund um when i was in in college when i was studying finance and um Again, the similar question is that we that we had to face that you probably had to face was if you say that these twenty companies are are all buys, yeah. how do you determine how whether you hold eight percent or five percent yeah. or twelve percent in these in each one? And uh, we had to build a model. I basically, that was my task for the year was to build a build a model to determine that because you know you might have, be biased, right, and say I like yeah. this company better than this one, so we should hold more, but it doesn't. You know, it doesn't usually work out well. Uh, absolutely, if you do that. That, ab- abs- you're absolutely right, and that's where I learned about how you know that 
stock picking is like 50% of the job but the other 50% yeah. how do you weight them and how do they behave in certain yeah. environments you know how does it what kind of tilts it gives to your portfolio and yeah. that's where factor investing kind of came into play that yeah. do you have a quality bias do you have a value or growth bias you know how yeah. how does it play and therefore in different macro environments whether the economy is doing well economy is doing badly you have a better sense of how your portfolio is going to react yeah and that yeah, was very sure. powerful for me to learn about and to you know to understand that and it gives you more confidence about you know if you know that your portfolio is going to be defensive in a yeah. in a crash then you know that it may not be as alpha generating in a in a huge risk on value yeah. and that's okay because you've designed the portfolio to be, behave in a certain way and yeah. as long as it's doing that it's it's fine so that that was that was uh, very uh, interesting and but at that same time when i was working in uh, working at pictet with this team within this team we also were managing esg sustainable funds and that was this is i'm talking about 5 years ago yeah and um, and i knew really nothing about ESG investing i was the yeah. finance expert and uh, i had i had done some work on corporate governance in my uh, in my previous roles at snp uh, but not so much as the environment side of things and i remember the first conversation i had with an esg expert we had in our team was that so what do you mean we can't invest in tobacco companies anymore they are the most <laughs> profitable companies yeah. and they have so much pricing power and they make so much money that the governments uh, they pay so much tax that the governments support them so i don't really get it it's you know because i yeah. come from this very strong capitalist mindset that uh, we need to maximize shareholder returns and manage our risk and our job as fund managers is to you know generate the highest return and yeah Uh, and not really think about anything else yeah um but then as i continued working with this team and you know understanding more about the esg space i it became very clear to me or i just or i became more aware that how companies that are trying to cut costs or make short term profits mm-hmm. were generating long term negative impacts such as you know polluting the rivers or the air or keeping yeah. um having unsafe working environments or exploiting workers and wider communities whether it's you know in the mining industry in which so uh, in the in the communities in which they operate or even engaging in corruption and bribery and much of this news i realized that you kind of don't get in mainstream media it was you know you had to look at specialist companies who were providing that information mm-hmm. so you really had to dig it up and figure it out and learning about all that was concerning you know it was it was uncomfortable for me because it was like okay how do you invest in company that company knowing what you already know is happening in the background so it was yeah it it so it's was sort of like a lens right it's it was, once you open that lens it's hard to look, look without looking away. through that lens in in new exactly. investments right it was hard to look away and it yeah. was hard to ignore that but then my true aha moment really came when i realized that companies that willfully you know engage in such behavior mm-hmm. actually destroyed more shareholder value over the long term than created because and it happened through like unforeseen events such as a scandal or an accident yeah. or fines and penalties and this would 
just lead to huge losses and loss of reputation and increased costs and lower stock prices. Over time, it showed up. You yeah. know, that stuff showed up. And and on, at the same time, I saw that companies that had strong ESG practices actually improved their valuations. They had better P multiples. They generated mm. higher returns. They had better uh, talent. They attracted better talent. And uh, they built more resilient businesses. And yeah. um, and so they had um, they had better business opportunities. So and that kind of then reconnected to my capitalist mindset that if we want to maximize returns given the risk, we have to understand the risk related to ESG. Otherwise, we're just fooling ourselves yeah. in thinking that um, you know that risk doesn't exist or that the stock is cheap, but or that it's mispriced. But really, market is pricing that risk. Uh, and uh, by ignoring it, we will just, uh, you know, destroy our returns in the process. So that was kind of one realization. The other thing that happened at the same time, and this is about 2015, mm-hmm. um, my uh, nine-year-old daughter, uh, nine or 10, I think at that time, uh, Generation Z, uh, yeah. the, she came back from school and she asked me, mom, how can we save the planet? And her words were both inspiring and shocking to me. This was the time when the United Nations was putting together the framework for the mm-hmm. sustainable development goals. And um, the Paris Climate Agreement was happening about, you know, re- um, limiting the global warming to one five, yep. 1.5 degree Celsius. And she was learning about it in school. And I recognized that we are living through a sustainability crisis that has the potential for irreversible damage to the society and to the people. And uh, and because everything we do really comes from nature, from the planet. And mm. if you don't take urgent action now, we're just putting our future generations at risk. And in a way, that was my Greta Thunberg moment. Yeah. Um, and so uh, with all that perspective, then I, um, about two years ago, I started Alpha's Future. Um, it's an investment business that's focused on sustainability and impact. And, um, and we invest in listed equities, uh, and invest in, we invest in companies that are innovating to solve global sustainability challenges for, uh, such as climate change, plastic pollution, mm-hmm. health, uh, sustainable cities. And I believe, I really believe that it's only through innovation that we can build a better tomorrow. For so we need alternatives, like for reducing greenhouse gas emissions, for to reduce waste, to improve health and better access to healthcare, to have more resilient cities. And so, uh, and I think in doing this, we, we not, we can not only generate higher financial returns for investors, but we can also direct capital towards companies that are having a positive environmental social impact, which is so desperately needed. Yeah, that's great. So, so I've got tons of questions, but I'll, I'll try and um, keep them to some, some interesting ones. So for one with your daughter bring, you know, coming home and it's a, it's a great story when she came home and, and asked, you know, how can we save the planet? And she was learning about the Paris Accord and all of these other, um, you know, different aspects of, of, of that side of it. 
Do you think that would happen in in other countries, uh, or is that specific? I'm, I imagine Switzerland is a little bit more ahead of the curve with with how they're teaching young people about the the environment, and climate change, and and things like that. Well, absolutely, that's true. Uh, Switzerland and Europe in general, I believe, is quite ahead in uh, you know understanding yeah. the science behind climate change and accepting it and taking action. The EU, uh, European Union recently signed the Green New Deal to mm -hmm. invest as they, um, as the governments are looking to rebuild the economies after the pandemic, they have linked it very strongly to a green recovery and uh, investing in industries that are likely to be more sustainable uh, rather than supporting fossil fuel industry for yeah. that matter. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, absolutely. I think it was uh, living in Europe, really uh, being in the midst of it. And Switzerland is also, mm -hmm. we were in Geneva and that's the home of United Nations. Yeah. So um, it was uh, it was right in the face and that did help shape my beliefs and my experiences. Um, but at the same time, I think the young generation across the world is mm -hmm. a lot more aware, even in the U.S., and a lot more conscious about our uh, the mankind's um, impact on the yeah. you know on the planet and the society, and just just generally more aware of uh, the need for doing good and uh, wanting to have a positive impact themselves. Um, I think people like you, Greg, that you know are trying to do get good in your own ways and thinking beyond your individual needs, but more in terms of how can we be better human beings and yeah. uh, contribute to the good. So, uh, yeah, I want to believe that as well with, with, yeah. um, you know, younger people and younger generations that, that, you know, the, I think part of it's probably the access they have and, and we have to information that didn't exist, um, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago, you couldn't just Google something and, and, and find factual evidence yeah. to support, you know, whatever it is, your, your conclusion is, I think the danger though, is that, is that there is some misinformation out there as well. So it's, yeah, hopefully we find a way and hopefully that works itself out so that, you know, we, you know, as collective society can, can, you know, agree on, on things that are factual. There's a lot of things I feel like that are, you know, one person's opinion, someone else's opinion, and there's no actual fact involved, but then the factual things I think are, are what's important. I think we have to, at least I, I believe so, that we always have to go back to the science. So when yeah. I was, again, learning about this, uh, about climate change and ESG, uh, it was new to me. And and I would say um, uh, I don't, you know, I don't believe in it. Or I still yeah. meet people who say I don't believe in climate change or global warming. But, you yeah. know, the science is pretty clear. Yeah, and the and, one I hear a lot is is people saying I I believe in climate change, but I don't believe that humans are are the cause of it. And it, right. you know, I always kind of laugh a little bit, and I I, I have a, like five or six links on my phone that I sent to any of my friends that say that because yeah. the, if you look at the graphs, even of of the the level of acceleration compared to you know historically across the the, the planet, the acceleration of of the climate change is it's pretty clear. I mean, it's not, it doesn't leave you very much room to, to really say that. And, and if you look at what's changed in that time period, it's the industrial revolution and then everything that came after it. 
There's absolutely. not really anything no, else. You are absolutely right. So. That if you actually dig into the science, yeah. which a lot of people just don't bother to do. Yeah. And um, so it is very clear that it is human activity which is causing the warming of the earth. Yeah. And, uh, and that energy is the biggest contributor to greenhouse gas emissions. And, and in a way, we are seeing that right now, you know, in terms of the natural disasters that we face, yep. um, you yep. know, the wildfires in California, there is no debate about what has caused it, the yep. heat waves that we are seeing, rising temperatures. And, the, uh, and gender reveal parties, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that too. Um, but, uh, so that is, uh, I think it is, it is, we are in these times where, um, where more and more people are becoming aware and realizing that this is not, uh, this is not a made up story. It's, it's yeah. real. And, uh, it is, I, I think it's only a matter of time and global action will just have to become a lot more, uh, stringent about how yeah. to deal with this. And we will deal with this. I think human ingenuity is quite powerful and we will come out of it and we'll figure out how to make it work. Absolutely. Um, it's just, uh, the sooner and the faster and more global our action can be, because this is not a one country, one state problem. No. It is a global problem and everybody has to do their part, whether it's governments or public sector, private sector, or even investors and individuals. We all have mm -hmm. to do our part to make it work. And, and I see it more as an opportunity for, uh, you know, growth and innovation. I, I feel that this is where new, um, research, new products, new, uh, exciting solutions will come you know yeah. when we talk about like uh electric cars and vehicles they they sound really exciting and uh <laughs> and you know new world the, uh, tech technology so it is tesla tesla was surely exciting for a lot of retail investors i feel like recently well, that's <laughs> that's a different story a different <laughs> conversation on that one yes that's you a talk different... about valuations right yeah it's, yeah so that, that we have to that's a more um equity market sentiment <laughs> yeah. or yeah where is where is yeah. who is the investor and but i think tesla has done a great job in opening the ev market and so driving all automakers into that space and uh, you know kind of building that industry um yeah. so that that is really powerful and um and i think we will see more of that and um, or whether it's innovation on the electric side, just the sources of electricity. The challenge with Tesla is still that you are, uh, while you're not creating pollution when you're driving, but yeah. what is the source of energy is exactly. uh, is to be looked yeah. at. So I think that's where a lot of still uh, energy storage, energy efficiency is. Yeah. Are, they are investment opportunities to me. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a great, interesting time, you know, and and that's I guess once you once we come to the conclusion that that you know climate change is real and it's man made, the the next step is okay, what are we going to do about it, right? And that's the that's the more difficult question I think to to answer, um, you know, going forward, how can we how can we change? And we can make I I feel like it's one of those situations where the the problem's so big. And I actually had a, a very um, good friend of mine, a, an ex coworker of mine that had a saying that stuck with me that, you know, how do you eat an elephant? Yeah. <laughs> uh, one, one bite at a time. Right. Yeah. And so I feel like that's, that's the case with climate change. Like we need to start one step at a time and, and, you know, it takes a, a whole lot of people and a whole lot of 
businesses and governments to to shift that mindset and to shift and incentivize you know private companies will always do as you said what what they can to provide the most value to shareholders what we have to do i think is is incentivize them to do that while keeping in 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 mind the the actual impact that they're making on on environment on on people right at the end of the day i think um I agree with you, and I think private companies are actually stepping up more than they have done mm-hmm. in the past. They yeah. are recognizing the challenge, and they're recognizing their responsibility um, operating in 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 a wider community. And I don't know if you saw that um, business roundtable last year, where the top CEOs in the U.S. they announced that businesses exist not just to make profit, but also to support the I, I remember seeing a headline. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. they are, I think businesses are beginning to, you know, uh, recognize their responsibility to, um, to go beyond maximizing profit. And, and what yeah. they're learning that having that perspective actually helps you generate long-term sustainable profits because you're not trying to cut corners. You're not trying to, you know, make a yeah. quick buck here. You're not trying to maximize your, next quarter EPS, you're really trying to build a business yeah. where you will have more resilience. Uh, and and that is, uh, that is, I think, in, over long term, that gives you better returns. Absolutely. So last question on the on, on your background, I forgot to, to ask. So now you're in Minneapolis. And what happened that caused you? I, I know that you mentioned the catalyst to creating Alpha's future, but what happened to cause you to move from Switzerland to Minneapolis? You know, sometimes um, your other personal life gets in the way. So So I was just following my partner, my husband, who got a great job here. And and as a family, we decided to uh, move and and take uh, take the role. And uh, and it it was a brilliant opportunity for him. So we I didn't want to um, disrupt it, but at the same yeah. time I was it gave me the opportunity to think about okay, uh, I know I like the investing space and I want yeah. to be in the equity markets, but I really also enjoyed uh, the sustainable impact investing side of things. And uh, when I moved here, I wanted to continue building a fund. Uh, focused on sustainability and uh, I did realize that uh, this was not kind of the focus for many fund houses that are based here and also Minneapolis is not a big uh, (laughs) (laughs) that was like uh oh Uh, it's it's not New York or California so I was like uh, so for me it was okay um I want to do this and I'm not going to wait for an opportunity to knock on my door. I'm just going to yeah. get going That's by great. myself. And uh, so uh, I didn't, I just, I just went ahead. I I was networking a lot and talking to people and somebody yeah. gave me the advice that if you want to start your own fund, just do it. And I yeah. was like, okay, I'm just going to do it. <laughs> Sometimes that's what it takes, right? And it, it's harder to, to sometimes think through you're thinking what can go wrong and you yeah. know how much work is this going to be as opposed to well let's just and that's kind of what i did with the podcast was <laughs> 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 my wife jokes that you know i i mentioned it one day and the next day i, I was setting up the website and, and launching the first episode a week later so it, it sort of happened really fast but 
right. you know, sometimes that's, that's what it takes. You just have to jump in with both feet and, and if it doesn't work out, then move on. If it does, then great. And, you know, you, you seem to have made it this far. And, and, uh, so during the launch of Alpha's Future and all that, um, uh, you know, there's a lot that goes into managing and running and launching your own business. Um, what challenges have you faced? What, what have you had to overcome in, in that side? You know, I tell you, I had no idea what I was going to do. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, every day was, you know, because when you work for, I have always worked for large organizations, you know, it's mm-hmm. very big day and you realize that when you do your job, you have this whole industrial machinery around you, yeah. you know, to do everything beyond your limited role. Yeah. And, but when you're starting your own as an entrepreneur and I was starting single handedly, uh, I had, I had to learn about, uh, um, legal. I mean, the first thing yeah. was like, okay, what is the requirement? I had to take, uh, like tests, compliance, yep. you know, series uh, exams uh, to yep. to be in line with the U.S. regulator in terms of financial uh, selling a financial product. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, so legal compliance, uh, marketing, uh, website, you know, uh, accounts, yeah. all of that stuff, which was not fund management in a way. Um, um, you know, setting up client accounts, the plat- the trading platforms that I'm going to use and, um, you know, what kind of structure will it be? Uh, so yeah. th- there was just a lot to think about and work on and learn. And, but it was, it was super exciting also, you know, in yeah. a way, because you, it was, um, there was so much new to figure out and, and, and those really small wins were big. Uh, were, yeah. in a way, big wins because they were, you know, they moved you forward. Uh, they, they really energized me when, you know, things moved forward, when I got my name registered, when, yeah. you know, when I got the first client or when I had great performance. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, you, yeah, and every, you, every step leads to something else, right? Every and, step it, and, and it, and you have this feeling of gratitude of of gratitude and uh, you know and building it yourself it's so different it is yeah. so different and 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 as an entrepreneur i think your highs and lows are both quite extreme because yeah. uh, you know there is so much you feel there's so much at stake yeah. and um uh, but that's what also gives you that uh, you know the i think the drive to keep moving forward yeah um so yeah it was um it and was, and uh, moving to a new area where you don't know yeah. anyone, right? I mean, that's that's a huge, you know, challenge in itself. You know, on top of launching a, a company at the same time, <laughs> um, absolutely. And uh, and really, I feel that this, as I was building my or setting up the business, the uh, I really kind of appreciated the value of networking and meeting people yeah. and learning some real lessons and not just networking for the sake of it, because I had yeah. some, you know, really high uh, involvement into what I was trying to do. And I really wanted to understand from other people who had taken a similar path or had been, you know, in different aspects of this industry. And I just, you know, just like you were saying, learning about other people's experience to gain, you know, perspective and think about, okay, what are the risks? What are the yeah. challenges? And, how will I make this work? 
Um, so all of that was uh, in the, uh, and even today, I think uh, I've, I'm now doing this for about, it's not even been two years since I went live. It's been yeah. in, uh, about uh, 18 months. And uh, even today, every day I'm learning, meeting new people virtually and, yeah. uh, uh but learning so much and uh, evolving how I think about things and uh, what products I should have or uh, do, how do I, you know, do I grow the business uh, horizontally or vertically, you know, yeah. where are the opportunities and trying to understand while at the same time, you know, what you're already doing, you want to do that well and not spread yourself too thin. Yeah. So, uh, but it's, it's great. I love the, I love, the uh investing in the markets and markets are very exciting right now you know too much is going on yeah and uh but at the same time uh i have learned so much about uh the global sustainable challenges and you know i i blog about that for my clients and for my investors and uh and it has given this alpha's future has given me the opportunity to to create more awareness about this to tell people yeah. about the uh, these issues and make them aware and understand and at the same time make them realize that this is not a lot of people think about sustainable investing as philanthropy you know they think that yeah. they have to sacrifice returns and and they have this kind of wall between okay this is where i want to make money and I want to make the most money in the yeah. financial markets. And, you know, I'm going to get a financial advisor to help me do that. Uh, and when I make my money, then I'm going to do philanthropy, you know. So there's this kind of yeah. dual mindset. And I want to make them, you know, understand that uh, by invest, by, you know, not thinking about the sustainable issues in your money making process, you are actually encouraging behavior that ultimately then leads to, you know, yeah, you know, leads to. It's almost uh, like you have to write your own. Right, they they have this thing. I'll do wrong to make money, and then I'll write those wrongs by giving it away. But then, exactly, but if it, you do it well in the first place, yeah, then, then you can you know reduce a lot of the evils yeah. in the world. So, uh, so that is kind of the education piece and. Um, um, sharing the knowledge piece that I enjoy doing as well. So it's, it's yeah. going well. You know, it's, you know, it was very surprising. Um, you know, when I started reaching out to people years ago was how willing pe- people are. Vi- and I feel like most people don't know this. People are very willing to, to talk and, and tell their story like you are right now, but also um, help people. So, you know, I'm sure you saw as you're, you're building your network and building your business and, you know, the, when you reach out to someone about a question about compliance or or something, you know, the when if you reach out to the people that know the answers, um, they're willing to share it. Uh, you know, they're not looking for anything in return. They're just ha- happy to help. Well, that's that is so true, and especially in Minnesota, I have found really great people to help yeah. me as a you know as an outsider as I came in, and I had no yeah. connections and no networks, but. I got a lot of good advice from people who were willing to meet me over coffee and talk about the market and, you know, give me yeah. uh, good advice. I've been very fortunate about that. I, and I think people here are really nice. That's great. Mm. So last thing, and and then we'll uh, uh, call it a day. So what advice would you give to someone uh, that's thinking about moving to a radically different country like you did? You know, you, and I know that you mentioned that 
you know, you're sort of, it was all circumstantial moving, but most people, even in the circumstances would, wouldn't think about moving. And it's sometimes a difficult, um, you know, thing to wrap your, wrap your head around, uh, moving to a completely new country with, without knowing anyone. Well, um, I think my experience has been that, um, you know, the fundamental values of honesty, integrity, um, you know, um, commitment or just being nice people um, is does not change anywhere in the world. You know, people have mm-hmm. uh, different perspectives on how to do things, like how they celebrate occasions, how they, you know, what food they eat or, you know, what they do. Uh, but in terms of the... Um, goals are the same everywhere in the world people want to have you know they want to have good family good friends they want to spend time with you know people they like and uh, they want to do well in life you know so that's uh, that's that's the same everywhere Um, but uh, what changes is that okay we celebrate Halloween here and (laughs) (laughs) celebrated Escalade in Switzerland, which is, you know, something different. So, um, so it, it has, for for us, it has been as a family, it has been a great learning living in all these different countries and coming from India, which is a very uh, different uh, developing economy and emerging Mm -hmm. market, uh, very different uh, uh, perspectives in, uh, in terms of how to do things, less rules-based economy, whereas, you know, London and Switzerland are very rules-based yeah. places. So so, uh, so all that was, uh, you know, um, we had to learn, we had to unlearn some of the things in India. Like when I, I got my uh, driving license in, in London and yeah. I had to, in a way, unlearn 10 years of driving in India to to get my license in, in yeah. London. So, um, so there are, there are on the, in terms of how there are differences in terms of goals that there, there are no differences. Um, and, um, we, and it also helped us living in different countries. Uh, I realized that, uh, um, the, um, oh, that's, I think that's, that's <laughs> No problem. Mm-hmm. So, Gitu, um, where maybe for the listeners out there that want to follow your blog or anything, where would they go to to get to that? Is it Alpha Futures, alphasfuture.com? Yes, alphasfuture.com. Um, it, um, you can read all about the, the impact fund that I manage, the, you know, investment opportunities, the areas we invest in, as well as, you know, learn about uh, markets. I blog also about the financial markets and what's going on. And the um, and the sustainability space, so you can you can learn about that. And if anybody's invest interested in investing, then they can you know contact me. All the contact details are available there. I also want to talk about mention just very quickly. You know, there are not many fund managers, women fund managers, in Absolutely. the in the world. And uh, so that is also something that uh, you know I want to uh, I want to show that uh, women can do well. Research shows that you know women can yeah. be as good fund managers or even better or better, yeah. Better. <laughs> and the, but the reality is that uh, women manage. I think the stats is like something like two percent of global financial assets, and that is mm-hmm. that is a lot we have to do. And 
And so that's that's another thing that I want to, um, you know, continue uh, building and encouraging and help Absolutely. other women who want to be in the space. Absolutely. And if you know any any other um, female fund managers, absolutely send them my way uh, <laughs> because I need some more uh, more of them on, on the podcast as opposed to all sure. uh, males. So, no, it's and that's part of, you know, anything that that I, I feel like that that you do having more diversity in in, in views and, and opinions and and, you know, that that sort of thing, it, it really goes a long way and, and you get more more interesting conversations like like uh and stories like yours um yeah yeah absolutely i also think that uh i mean this this is one of the um kind of early lessons that i learned uh, when i was growing up and also credit my dad to it uh he always talked about financial independence for women mm -hmm. and uh, the importance and need for it. And I realized that this is an issue, not just in a developing country like India, but also in developed markets like US and Europe. And mm -hmm. uh, we know that everywhere in the world, women are less likely to get promoted, to get hired, to get promoted yep. and to get capital. Uh, so there is a lot we need to do. Uh, but at the same time, I also think that this is a great time to be a woman because there's a lot of focus on uh, you know increasing diversity like you're saying Absolutely. and giving more opportunity and helping uh, women grow in the on you know move up the ladder so uh, we just have to grab this opportunity and make the most of it yeah absolutely well on that note thank you so much gitu for for joining me on the uh, fun views podcast it was another great episode and i really really enjoyed our conversation and, and learning about your story and and uh, excited to see how alpha's future grows and and continues to to do well thank you so much greg i enjoyed our conversation too and i look forward to connecting another time perfect thanks and that's it for today's show i hope you found it insightful and entertaining if you did, give us a like, follow, or subscribe on your favorite streaming or social media platform at Fun Views Podcast or funviewspodcast.com. Until next time. <laughs>